Where are we going to, fellas? To the top of most of the pop of most, Johnny! Come on, it's time to hop on Power Pop! Yes, it's time to sing along to lots of music. Here and now is where you are and where you stay. Good vibrations are a coming, there's a feeling going round. Music is the food of love, and I can't wait to hear the sound. Cause it's time to hop on, Papa. When you hear the rhythm growing, then the music just won't stop. Cause it's time to hop on, Papa. You're listening to the Hop on Power Pop podcast. Welcome to episode one of Hop on Power Pop, the podcast. In this episode, we'll go over one of the most difficult and at times argumentative questions in the history of music. What exactly defines a song as power pop? In addition, you'll hear song clips and a rare unearthed audio interview with Pete Townsend. So turn up the volume, sit back, and let your ears take you to the toppermost of the poppermost. Cause it's time to hop on, Papa. When you hear the rhythm growing, then the music just won't stop. Yes, it's time to hop on, Papa. Yes, it's time to hop on, Papa. Yes, it's time to hop on, Papa. And here's your hostess, Nadia D. Episode 1. What is power pop? If you type the term power pop into a Google search engine, you'll get a definition that reads, a style of pop music characterized by a strong melody line, a heavy use of guitars, and simple rhythm. Almost everyone agrees that in order for a song to fit into the power pop genre, it has to have a strong melody, a heavy use of guitars, and a straightforward or simple rhythm. Now that's not a bad place to start. Susanna Hobbs of the Bangles told Ken Sharp in Volume 4 of Power Pop Heroes. I think that what made the Bangles work was there was Common Ground, which revolved around jangly guitars, super melodic songwriting, and harmony singing. The idea of voices together, orchestrated in a way, became a key player in the song. That sums up Power Pop even more. So let's add and adapt our definition, and we get a style of music characterized by strong melody, a heavy use of guitars, often jangly guitars, a simple rhythm, and harmony singing orchestrated in a way that it's a key player. Hey, that's pretty good. Before we add more characteristics to the definition of power pop, let's first take a brief history lesson. This is The term power pop was coined by the Who's Pete Townsend in a May 1967 Hit Parader magazine interview to describe their single Pictures of Lily, along with songs like Substitute and I Can't Explain from the album Meaty, Beady Big, and Bouncy. Pete, can you describe the song Pictures of Lily? Well, power pop is what we play. You know, it's what the small faces used to play. And it's the kind of pop the Beach Boys played in the days of fun, fun, fun which I preferred. Which you just heard was a rare clip of Pete Townsend. Impersonated. In the book, Are We Not New Wave, author Theo Cataphoris comments that Townsend was positioning power pop to be a style that was more accessible 
as in 1967, the Beatles were moving away from power pop and getting more experimental with songs like the trippy Strawberry Fields Forever. Power Pop sprouted more from songs like 1966's Paperback Writer. Then it did from a song like Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Cataphorus comments, you can almost count Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band as one of the convenient axes around which one can define power pop. Wow. This axis point insight is also interesting if you know the history of competition, albeit a constructive competition, between the Beatles and the Beach Boys, where Rubber Soul inspired the Beach Boys to create Pet Sounds, and then Pet Sounds went on to galvanate the Beatles to create the Opus Sgt. Peppers. The inspiration for Pet Sounds was Rubber Soul. I wanted to try to top it. I felt competitive with the Beatles. You know, it's a funny thing, it's funny, but I felt competitive with them. And we ended up, it's kind of like a rivalry. We'd put a song out and Brian would hear it and he'd do one, which is nice. It's like me and John try and top each other all the time. So it's feasible, if you think about it, that the brilliance of Brian Wilson shifted the Beatles away from power pop songwriting. Excellent. Ten points to Gryffindor. But you really couldn't have power pop without the Beatles. In the 70s, people have cited bands like the Beatles, the Kinks, the Birds, the Zombies, and the Who as the few of the pinnacle bands of power pop. But musician, singer, songwriter David Thompson of The Pop Cycle has shed some light on the subject. David Thompson doesn't consider those bands as power pop, but rather, they are the bands that inspired the genre. The cool use of intellect. 50 points. So maybe it's a little like asking which came first, the chicken or the egg. Those bands aren't necessarily power pop, but power pop wouldn't exist without those bands. Pete Townsend may have coined the term power pop in 1967, but it didn't relaunch it into the vernacular. In fact, the birth of the term as a recognized genre was due in large part to the publication of a music magazine called Bomp, specifically March 1978's Bomp Magazine, issue number 18, which sold for a mere $1.50. Even with inflation, that's still an affordable $5.45. Bomp Magazine was a rock magazine fanzine started in 1970 by Greg and Susie Shaw. In issue 18, Shaw gives an introduction to power pop, its archetypes, sources, and bands back in 1978. He puts Dwight Twilly in a ring against the Ramones, a fight that personally breaks my heart and gives me a teenage lobotomy. There's a great article on the Easy Beats in the Harry Vanda George Young story, The Vanda Young Story. In the same magazine, associate editor Gary Sparazzi talks about the power pop periphery bands, and Greg Shaw covers the role of the producer in power pop. There's a story on big stars Alex Chilton, the brilliant ardent records. You could even purchase buttons referred to then as badges. We don't need no badges. 
I don't have to show you any stinking bushes. The magazine isn't perfect as it places ABBA's So Long Waterloo on an all-time power pop records list. And you can't trace power pop back to the Beatles, it says, because of lack of urgency. Help! Help me! But what Greg Shaw did with issue 18 of Bump was to put the already developing genre of power pop into historical context, thus giving it validity as a recognized musical category. In a significant way, Bump created the power pop epithet. What followed the power pop founding groups were bands like Badfinger, The Raspberries, The Move, Cheap Trick, which seemed to have hatched from the eggs of these power pop chickens. These bands started in the late 60s to the early 70s, much after the breakup of the Beatles. However, one continuing unfortunate aspect of power pop seems to be a lack of major success. Sure, some power pop bands have had short dashes of popularity, but it's fleeting. It's a sprint, not a marathon. When the respected producer, musician, John Bryan, was asked to describe the catchy name for the music he loves, he came up with the term unpopular pop. Power pop music should be taking over the airways, but it remains unpopular to the mainstream. Why are you trying so hard to fit in when you're born to stand out? Eric Carmen of the Raspberries had said, There were a lot of people in 1972, a great mass of the album-buying, trend-setting young public, that didn't want any part of a band that resembled the Beatles. Now, this could have resulted from burnout of the genre and a mix of missing the Beatles and realizing nobody could replace them. As Carly Simon sang, Nobody does it better. The subject of most power pop songs tend to center around love, infatuation, and lust. Pretty girl at three o'clock. Over. And not all aspects of the rainbow love, but heterosexual lust. Songs mostly about men crushing on girls. Take September Girls by Big Star. Stacy's Mom by Fountains of Wayne. Good Girls Don't by The Knack. Or the song that started it all, Pictures of Lily by The Who. Pictures of Lily made my life so wonderful. Pictures of Lily helped me sleep at night. Pictures of Lily so my child was 
However, it's not just limited to boys singing about girls. There's the bangles if she knew what she wants. Head Over Heels by the Go-Go's, which flip the genders but stay within the script. And there's the most popular power pop song of all, My Sharona by the Knack. My Sharona was certified gold by the Recording Industry Association of America, reaching number one on Billboard's top singles chart in 1979. My Sharona falls dead center in the Boy Meets Girl subject matter. The album even featured the real Sharona Alperin, scantily clad in a thin white tank top. Hey, how you doing? Power pop music will most likely continue to be about horny white males <laughs> crushing on beautiful young females. Huh? My Sharona remains one of, if not the highest charting power pop song in the history of power pop to this day. The top of most of the pop of most. Another aspect of power pop that isn't common, but something that I've noticed, is that most bands have singers that fall into either a slightly nasal singing affection, like John Lennon or George Harrison. This nose that got me into trouble. <laughs> or those that fall into a slightly more mainstream singing voice, like a young Paul McCartney. I love you. You're my favorite. Think of power pop singers like Liam Gallagher, Amy Mann, John Bryan, Ray Davies, Andy Partridge, John Easdale, or Chris Collinwood. These singers, while good singers, whose vocal stylings perfectly fit their power pop songs, are without ridicule, but they're slightly more Lennon-esque nasally, while singers like Pete Ham, John Auer, Eric Carmen, Susanna Hoff, Colin Bloomstone, or Robin Zander fall into the more throaty or prototypical singer with a wider range who would probably have made it to the finals of today's singing competitions. You're going to Hollywood! My main point is you typically wouldn't hear a singer like James Hetfield as a lead singer of a power pop band. Nice story, Todd's a Raiders Digest! It seems to me that most power pop singers fall more into the tenor or mezzo-soprano singing range. <laughs> Again, this is just my opinion from listening to hours upon hours of power pop singers. Well, opinions are like, everybody has one. To fans of power pop, the hotly contested subject over what is and what isn't power pop begins to sound like a broken record. Never 
On a recent social media power pop group, someone posted that the band Cake and their song Short Skirt Long Jacket was a power pop song. I want a girl with a short skirt and a long jacket. Now, I didn't want to start an argument, but I was curious as to why this person thought it was a power pop song. If you just answer the question, why don't you just answer the question? Be honest, no big deal. Yeah, answer it. They replied, Well, because it's funky, guitar and trumpet driven, and it's got high energy. I thank them for sharing. Other members of the group posted comment after comment that short skirt long jacket was definitely not power pop. Publicly, I kept quiet. Personally, I agree that it was not as power pop as what power pop should be in my book. Why, you may ask? Well, by his own opinion, he described the song as funky. Funky. (laughs) I do not consider power pop to be funky music. I consider R&B, soul, hip-hop, some jazz, and even disco to be in the funky category. What do you mean funky? He described it as guitar, but also as trumpet-driven. Guitar, of course, is the main instrument of power pop, as well as some piano. But then he adds trumpet. Trumpet? I know a lot of power pop music, but I can't name a one trumpet power pop song. Sure, the Beatles' Penny Lane used a trumpet, a piccolo trumpet. I love the trumpet. In fact, I played one all throughout junior high school. But it doesn't scream power pop to me. But then, put trumpet with funky, and then you get great music like Earth, Wind, and Fire. You get average white band. Or even James Brown. So good, so good, I got a year. It's great, great, great bands, great music, but it's not power pop. So, I guess what I'm saying is, knowing what is and isn't power pop, to me, is reminiscent of that 1964 U.S. Supreme Court justice case with Justice Potter Stewart. when he was trying to determine what motion picture content could be deemed obscene pornography or not. Oh, behave. He summed it up in a shorthand description of, I know it when I see it. Yeah. Yeah, baby. That's like power pop music. I know it when I hear it. Am I right? I think the debate on what is and what isn't power pop isn't something that challenges me or upsets me or causes me to argue, but I find that it's actually one of the determining factors that keeps this interesting. If something's super easy to define, then we have the answer and we can move on. But it's a hotly contested subject, and I actually find that fascinating. Fascinating. I think what keeps fans of Power Pop so adamant is that we all wish the Beatles and their style of music was still around. It's innocent. Most songs tend to be about chasing love on a puppy dog scale. It's catchy, filled with enough sharp hooks to catch all your earworms. But most of all, it makes you forget the worries of the day and just get out of your chair and want to dance. Want to dance. I know that a power pop song is working because my husband will get up and dance. He can't help it. I can't help it.
It's in my nature. It motivates you to that level. Now I want to dance. I want to win. I want that trophy. Right. So dance good. All right. That's what I like about it and what I hope to do on this Power Pop podcast. Why don't you play us something, baby? Which brings me to what this podcast will do. First I say, what we're going to do? Then you say, I don't know, what do you want to do? Then I say, what we're going to do? You say, what you want to do? What we're going to do? What you want? Let's do something. Okay, what do you want to do? Hop on Power Pop the podcast will focus on Power Pop and really just Power Pop. That's the one. There's a lot of great musical genres out there, and there's also a lot of power pop slash punk or power pop slash indie songs or slash other categories out there. The Outer Limits. Today, with so many types of music, it's almost impossible to find tracks that are pure in the center of power pop. Even the Beatles were influenced by the music of Elvis and Buddy Holly. Thank you very much. And those guys, we know, were heavily influenced by black blues performers. And country and gospel musicians. So it's really impossible to find music that's not some kind of blend of styles. And quite frankly, why would you want that? Am I right or am I right or am I right? Right, right, right. One way to narrow down the selected tracks is to picture a color wheel. Picture yourself with tangerine trees and marmalade sky. Where you have all the different shades of the rainbow in parts on the outer edge of the circle. Then they start to blend where they meet, and eventually they come together to form a bright white center. Why has it got to be a white thing? But since this is a chart for Power Pop, let's place Power Pop at the center. Imagine that each color represents the style of music. Yellow represents country, for example. So a Power Pop song with a slight country flavor would be indicated by a light yellow dot. Take a song like Road Song by Fountains of Wayne. Let's say Pink was punk. Why am I Mr. Pink? And a song like Challenger by Car City. would fall into the light pink dots. Now take a track like Welcome to the Show by Kai Dansberg.
Welcome to the show would fall directly in the center of the power pop circle. Most of the songs in Hop'em Power Pop will be more in the center of the power pop circle, so the focus on power pop remains sharp. Ten different people would probably define power pop in ten different ways. Well, I guess this is a case where we'll have to agree to disagree. I don't agree to that. But if a group isn't necessarily power pop, but let's say they record a song or two in that style, then we'll focus on those songs. Directed! Sometimes it's easier to define what something is by saying what it isn't. What isn't power pop? Well, it's not a song that's 10 minutes long of jamming. It's not progressive rock. Pop may be short for popular, but power pop isn't at the top of today's charts. It's not indie folk, dance pop, euro pop, k-pop, or mainstream pop. Oftentimes, when I mention power pop, folks think I'm talking about pop music artists like Mariah Carey, Justin Bieber, Kelly Clarkson, or Nickelback. A power pop band would never make it on American Idol. When you entered this competition, did you really believe that you could become what you're standing on now, the American Idol? Well, then you're deaf. So to finish, let's go back to our definition of what makes a power pop song. It's a style of music characterized by strong melody, that's Beatles-influenced, a heavy use of guitars, often jangly guitars. It's definitely guitar-driven. It's a simple rhythm that tends to be melodic. There's harmony singing orchestrated in a way that it's a key player in the song. They're short songs, three minutes, they're very radio friendly. And it's catchy, but not popular on the mainstream. Whatever. You can't sit with us. You can't sit with us! It is and will most likely remain unpopular pop. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. In summary, I think people who are fans of power pop love it because bands like The Beatles, Badfinger or Big Star from the 60s and 70s broke up and listening to power pop is the way to keep hearing songs that make you feel like you're hearing lost tracks from those now extinct bands. They make you feel what you felt when you first discovered that music. What did you do that for? (laughs) My goodness, what a fuss you're making! Hopefully, that gives you a better insight into what Power Pop category of music is all about and what the Hop on Power Pop podcast wants to achieve. Next time on Hop on Power Pop. David Thompson. I love them. I don't care what anybody thinks, even one of a 105-year-old David is a ridiculously gifted singer-songwriter who started in the Boston music scene in a band called The Pills. played a self-described style of amphetamine rock. He 
He released a criminally underrated power pop studio album under the name The Scheme called Sunset on a Dream. The Sun! about, along with his current band, The Pop Cycle. continue to talk about power pop and the influences and styles and what defines it and we'll talk about his music and his writing and what inspires him it's bound to be a great show so be sure to download and listen to that episode too on hop on power pop that wraps up this pilot episode of hop on power pop podcast do you have an album or a song that you'd like us to hear send us an email we'd be happy to hop on it and have a listen I'd like to thank Mr. Stevie Ricks, who recorded and performed the fabulous theme song and Pete Townsend impression. Check him out at steviericks.com. Thanks also to David Thompson, Ken Sharp, Theo Cataforis, and all the power pop artists that I've mentioned today. This podcast also couldn't have been done without Chris Hope, a recording engineer and producer who built this amazing Stanley Kubrick-looking recording studio. Thank you, Chris. Thanks also to Arch McPhee and to my family, David, Nico, and Noe, and my extended friends and family, but most importantly to you for listening and trying to make this unpopular style of music feel the love. This is Nadia D for Hop on Power Pop. Cheers. Visit us at hopontowerpop.com or www.facebook.com slash hopontowerpop. Cause it's time to hop on pop When you hear the rhythm growing, then the music just won't stop. Yes, it's time to hop on, pop, pop. Yes, it's time to hop on, pop, pop. Yes, it's time to hop on, pop, pop. No Beatles were harmed in the making of this recording. <laughs>